everyone and a massive welcome to the Dedicate Podcast. I'm your host, Kate Ivey. The Dedicate Podcast is all about delving into our guests' life challenges. We can learn so much from other people's stories and not feel so alone on our own journeys. Today I'm chatting to Liv Hewitson. Liv's second child, Leo, has dwarfism and she shares this journey with us so openly. Some of you may remember her from when she had a popular Instagram account sharing her life and advocating for Leo and dwarfism. This is an incredible episode. We hope you enjoy. Hi. Hi. (laughs) How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Long time no see. I know. Didn't know if I would be seeing you because I couldn't figure out how to work my video (laughs) for a minute. (laughs) You're here. That's good. Um, Um, How are you? Yeah, I'm really good. Yeah, yeah, it has been a while, eh? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, your um, things changed a bit for you with your communication with random people, I guess, when you um, yeah. stopped your Instagram. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that was probably about three years ago now. So I think, um, I guess I did kind of lose contact with a few people that I probably used to talk to a bit more. But yeah. hey, you know, that's life. Yeah, I still follow you on your sort of personal private one Mm. yeah yeah Um, that's right yeah I like sort of following you I like I guess seeing other um people with families that aren't the the perfect norm Um, yeah the stock standard yeah yeah (laughs) in quotation marks yeah 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 yeah, absolutely and I think um when I did stop doing my other page and started this page there were a select few people that I haven't met before in real life but that I formed a connection with when I had the other page and I thought you know what I still want them you know part of this and following along with our journey so there's still some people that I don't you know I don't know properly but I've still got them I'm still talking to them and it's nice to carry on that relationship yeah so where should we start I guess motherhood all right so when I had my page and what a lot of, you know, people would have known is that I had the two two boys, Bo, who is seven, almost eight now, and Leo, who has just turned six. And since then, I've also had Evie. And Evie is 20 months, so she'll be two in November. Um, so, yeah, it's full on. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of in this stage of just that juggle of, having three young kids because I really feel like there was a huge jump going from two to three kids um I think it's different for everyone some people are like oh you know going from zero to one kids or one to two kids but for me it was definitely two to three that was the biggest jump um in terms of everything so everything's just been so busy and there's just been so much going on um and now that I'm working part-time as well, so I work part-time from home, which is great. It's flexible, but it's just a constant juggle because Evie's not in daycare yet. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> there seems to be a lot going on. Yeah, I can 100% relate and I'm sure all our listeners can relate mm. to that. And are you happy to share with us your journey with Leo? Yeah. So I, haven't, I feel like I haven't done this for a while. When... He was just born and in those first few years there was quite a bit of rehashing what happened and um in our lives and just sharing everything so publicly but since i've gone private i actually haven't done this so yeah. so it, it kind of feels a bit strange mm, I, bet, yeah. <laughs> I feel like i used to do it all the time and yeah um, and share our stories because i was just in that real advocating stage but mm-hmm. um so it'll be interesting what i remember <laughs> yeah um, and what sort of shines through is yeah yeah because yeah, back then I'm like oh I'll never forget all these emotions and these feelings and and now I kind of feel like there's just been six years of so many other things happening of memories and it's just kind of become this very small part of Leo's journey but anyway so back in 2017 when he was born I, I so I already had Bo Bo was 21 months and I was I was like 41 weeks pregnant so I'd gone over and my midwife um sent me for one of those routine scans and she just said we'll just check to see make sure everything's all good and so I went in for that scan and then the that's where the ultrasound technician guy um he noticed that 
the baby was tracking much smaller than it should, um, but not in every aspect. It was just in in the long bones, so the arms and legs, um, and also his head circumference was much larger than it should have been. And that's all he could tell me. He doesn't like he wasn't qualified to tell me anything more than that. So he probably had his suspicions, but he couldn't say anything. And for me, dwarfism was never on my radar. So it wasn't even something that I considered. I was just like, oh, my goodness, there's something wrong with my baby. What's going on? And um, I was on on my own for that scan. So I I got really upset and I drove home and told Matt what had been going on. And um, by that stage, the ultrasound tech had called my midwife and we'd been in contact with the midwife and she booked in an appointment at the hospital so we went down there and I think what happened then was we went in to see some sort of specialist and he had a look at the the scan and he knew straight away just from looking at that what the most likely cause was and that's when he told us that our baby would most likely be born with dwarfism and he said achondroplasia which we didn't know what that was. So then he said it's the most common form of dwarfism. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was a really big shock. This is kind of like that. That's always been a bit of a blur, that part. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do just remember calling my mum and because she knew what was going on and I called her and told her what we'd been told. And then they just tried to send me home and they were like, well, the baby's not coming. It's not ready. So you just go home and wait. Gosh, <laughs> And I was like, no, I I can't. That's not going to happen. Um, I need to know. You can't just give me that information and then just tell me to go home and relax. Like it's just, I oh can't. Oh my goodness, yeah. Yeah. So I said, no, you need to, I need to be induced or something. Something needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So she managed to find me a room and um, the midwife just broke my waters. And I think he was, he was ready to come mm-hmm. because it all happened really quickly. Um, the minute she broke my waters, I started contracting and it was, it was all go. So he was definitely ready and we were so ready. Um, and yeah, it was a really strange birth, like just knowing that there was something that was going to be different, Mm. but we had no time to research anything. So, um, which was probably good. I'm kind of glad that we didn't have that time. Um, Mm. because otherwise I would have gone down a rabbit hole Mm. and yeah, it would have been really hard. So um and then the birth was it was it was actually quite good it was like looking back now um they they kind of say that babies with dwarfism probably should be born by a c-section but we didn't have time to research all that stuff so because of the size of his head push it was it was quite tricky pushing him out but we we got there we got there and um and yeah, and then he, he came out and it was it was fine. Like there was nothing wrong with him. Like th- he was healthy, mm-hmm. but it was still very obvious that he had differences and that his limbs were shorter um, and that his head circumference was larger. And yeah, and then I think I just kind of tried to enjoy that stage of, you know, having just given birth and holding him and and I just loved him so much. Like it was just this instant bond to him just like it is with any child yeah but it was also kind of tainted with this real um fear I guess of just what like now we need to settle settle down and figure out what we're going to do like what does this mean Mm. um where do we go to from here and yeah that's kind of just where everything began really with his journey and I'm kind of glad yeah I'm glad that it happened that way some people find out earlier in their pregnancy um, which has its benefits because you do get time to prepare mm. and you don't have such a big shock at birth. But um, I'm glad that I got to enjoy my pregnancy without the worry. Yeah, that's nice. So, yeah. And so but, how yeah. come yours didn't show up earlier? Is it- um, so with dwarfism, with this particular type of dwarfism and probably some others too, um, it's not actually noticeable on scans until probably around 25 weeks. And because of the way we have scans here in New Zealand, it's, um, you know, we have our 20-week scan and that's kind of it. Like you you don't have another scan unless you're overdue 
and then you might have one after 40 weeks. So it was never picked up in my 20-week scan. Looking back at my scans, I can see that thing, like the measurements when I compare them to my other kids. I'm like, well, there clearly was something going on mm. there, but it wasn't enough for them to be like, oh, because it's not on their radar. They don't, they're not thinking of that. So what's the, um, what percentage of people are born with it? With, with dwarfism? Um, so it's, I think what, like one in 25 to 50,000. Um, okay. So rare, but mm. also the most common type. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, like when you think of dwarfism, it's, it is the most common type that you see in Hollywood and like different fairy tales and all that kind of thing. Um, but there are over 200 different types of dwarfism. So, oh, wow. yeah. But um, it's, yeah, so they, it's not something that people even think of when they're looking at scans. They probably mm. just think, oh, you know, maybe ba- baby's tracking a little bit small. I'm not really sure. But it wasn't cause for concern. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah, that's why it wasn't packed up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would have been so much a process in such a short amount of time. It was. So how was that sort of first year? The first year, the first year was really hard because it's not just coming to terms with having a baby that is different to what you expected. It's also that um, health implications as well. So there were certain things that we knew that we would have to watch out for. So that's like um, his, he had quite, he had really severe obstructive apnea, sleep apnea. Mm -hmm. So he was, when he was sleeping, he was getting really, like he, he couldn't breathe properly because all of his tubes in behind his face, facial structure were more narrow. Mm-hmm. So um, he, yeah, he wasn't breathing properly while he was sleeping. Um, so we did so many sleep studies to monitor that. And then he ended up being on, not oxygen, but it was like a sleep um airflow machine mm-hmm. which had little prongs up his nose um every night and he's probably on that for like three years um and we just had kind of had to wait it out until he was big enough to get his adenoids and his tonsils out which I think he did when he was three and then once we did that he was fine but then came the central apnea so that is where your brain isn't getting the message through your body to breathe so that was the next thing that we had to focus on and to fix that we had to do a surgery quite quite an intense surgery and that was they they drill into the back of his skull Mm -hmm. and kind of chip away at some bones in there and and make more room basically for the message to get through and all the fluids to get through and all that so um and, and right right from the beginning we knew that that was probably going to have to happen because it is common with mm-hmm. kids with achondroplasia and and you kind of you're lucky if you escape that but yeah um but yeah so we did that and you went to starship then, for that didn't you yeah yeah so we go to starship for everything for him because that's where his team is it's also just really important that he goes to people that know dwarfism mm-hmm. because their bodies are just so different to anyone else's yeah so it's and and I feel the safest going there it's real I mean I'm sure there's a great team at whatever hospital but I just feel like they really know him there and it's really important when it comes to putting him under and all that kind of stuff so so yeah we go there um, for everything now and so once we got that out of the way that was when he was three he had that surgery and now we're focusing on his spine so his lower spine he has what they call a kyphosis which is a curvature of the spine and it's another thing that's quite common for kids with dwarfism but it's um it's something that should have corrected itself but his hasn't so every six months we do x-rays on that and we know that there is it's going to be another surgery but Mm -hmm. we're just trying to hold off as long as possible um until he's a bit older and yeah we're kind of just keeping an eye on things with that one really yeah yeah. And is that um with his growth and everything, seeing what happens? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing, well, no, I'm not gonna say there's nothing we can do. There are trials for different drugs um that some people choose to do that can improve growth. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
yeah, it's just, it's a wait and see thing. And to be honest, during his first year, I was so obsessed with how he was tracking on his, Mm. you know, height chart and all that stuff. But now it's like, well, he has dwarfism Mm. and we we all know that. So what's the point in even worrying about that? Like he's going to be the height that he's going to be and there's nothing that we want to do about it. So we'll just, yeah. I can completely relate to that with my daughter's speech. Um, yeah and it's like this at the start you kind of you know it's it's part of not quite accepting the diagnosis so you're thinking that oh no your child's yes they've got the diagnosis but they're going to be different yeah yeah exactly so you're checking (laughs) to see and that yeah with my daughter's speech I've come to terms now with that um it'll be what what it will be yeah yeah for so long it was like forcing it or trying to make it happen yeah yeah it is a bit of a denial thing you're kind Mm. of like I mean I do remember thinking Yes, he's got achondroplasia, but he's um, but surely he's going to be taller than the others, or surely yes. he's got a more mild form of it, or you know. But once you kind of get past that first year of their life, I think you start accepting more, and you just kind of realize this is who he is, it's mm-hmm. who he's meant to be, and nothing that I think is going to change that. Yeah, you just get to a place of acceptance eventually, I guess. Mm. Some people it might take more than a year, but for me, and it did it did take me more than a year, but that first year was just really, really obsessive about all of that mm. kind of stuff. And looking back now, I'm just like, what a waste of time. Mm. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> yeah. sure everyone goes through that. Like, I think, yeah, I think so. You've been to hospital a few times. Does it sometimes feel like it's never ending or? yeah. It did, especially in those first few years, because it kind of was never ending. It was just health thing after health thing. And I really did grieve that just that first year of having a baby where you don't like you shouldn't have to be doing all that kind of stuff. And so I'm kind of like, why us? Why do we have to deal with all these health related issues when everyone else just gets an easy ride? Mm. (laughs) But yeah as he's got older it's definitely got less and less of that kind of stuff which is great but those first few years were really yeah we were at the hospital a lot and there was just a lot of people involved in everything like occupational therapists as well and just getting um getting all the right equipment for him and I just felt like that it was like a full-time job just Mm. like filing away all the papers and the emails and all of that stuff just trying to keep track of what was going on and what I needed to push for because that's what you've got to do you've got to really push for things Mm -hmm. and no one's really going to do it for you so you've just got to take on this role of really advocating Mm -hmm. for your child and just doing everything you can to make sure they get what they need um but yeah it's it's eased off a bit which is nice there's still things that I definitely have to push for but yeah it's not as ongoing as it used to be and is yeah. some of that in the school setting? How old is he now? Sorry, he's six. He's just turned yeah. six. Yeah. So this our school is great. Um, we've got a really supportive school, and they they go above and beyond. Really, can you hear that? That's my um, email thing popping up. No, don't worry. <laughs> like, yeah. Okay. Good. That's good. <laughs> but yeah, it's the school's great, but it's more like you've just got to push because it's the government that hold things up. The ministry, yes. like you kind of got to. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I started the process of getting the adaptations done at school probably when he was three and I rock up to the school and I'm like hey Leo's going to be starting here in two years but we need to get started on this now and they were like no well you've got plenty of time and I'm like no we don't (laughs) because it will take this long Mm. for everything to be approved and for the funding to come through and and so it's a good thing I did because even when he started most things were in place, but some things weren't. So um, they do their best, but it's just, yeah, it's just the constant having to hound the ministries and just say, you know, where's this at? What are we waiting for now? Um, it's a long process. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really good advice for people um, with children who need changes within the mm. school environment to get in there early. Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's really important because the system is probably very overwhelmed mm. with a lot going on, and you you know like you're not the only person that has a child with a disability, so you've got to keep that in mind. And 
no wonder things take so long but it gets really frustrating and we've only just had approval for the modifications in our house as well so we've just got those done like three weeks ago um and that took a long time as well so now I'm kind of at a point where I'm like yeah I'm just so glad that's done Mm because it was so ongoing but yeah when when I'm talking to other families with kids like Leo I'm like you need to start now because Mm -hmm. it's just it's going to take a while (laughs) and what are the modifications that need to be made so we because we moved into this house a year ago and when we moved in that like the light switches and the door handles are, were really high like abnormally high everyone was like wow that those that's strangely high yeah. so <laughs> we're like right we've got to get onto that so yeah we lowered all the door handles and we were going to lower the light switches but then we actually went with the option of adding like a bluetooth switch oh, cool. so that that's lower and he can just flick that on and off and then we've had like some steps inbuilt as well so that he's not having to cart around a stool everywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. Like for hand basins and toilets. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of those things that most six-year-olds would be able to do themselves, mm-hmm. he's obviously not able to do that. So, um, but now that he's got these these things done, he's just got so much more independence around his own home, which is nice. awesome. Yeah. Because, yeah, there's so many things in this world that he's not, going to have that independence with Mm -hmm. we just want to make sure that in his own home he can be as independent as possible and that's like his his place where he can just reach things and not even give it a second thought yeah that's nice because thinking way ahead like driving and that sort of things do they make Mm. modifications to cars yeah so it's I mean it's incredible I haven't looked too much into it but yes you can they they modify cars I, I guess it's like extended pedals maybe they sit on a cushion or something but they can do all of that I mean we we know people that have achondroplasia and they're driving massive like big trucks for jobs and wow. yeah um, and there's a guy I know that rides a motorbike like it's it's so amazing cool. what yeah. they can do yeah really cool yeah do you have a good support network so other families going through yeah yeah we do and I think we're quite lucky in the Bay of Plenty, we've got quite a few families as well, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, and yeah, I mean, I've some of my best friends I have met through this community, and it's just amazing that you know, like I wouldn't have met them otherwise, mm. and I can't even imagine that now. So, but yeah, there's a, there's a great community, and also a worldwide community as well. Like there's Facebook pages that you can join, and so I've been talking to people for the last six years in America and. Um, in the UK and it's yeah it's, um, so cool. it's pretty it's so special nice. yeah yeah it's really special it's not really a genetic I was looking it up it's not really genetic mm. it's just an issue potentially with um, the sperm or yeah egg. so it's like they call it a spontaneous mutation at conception mm-hmm. so there's nothing that predetermines how that happened it's just spontaneous um and that so that's how it happened for us but now that leo is has this gene that obviously changes things going forward for him so it's like if he decided to have a baby with someone that is average height it would be 50 50 the baby Mm -hmm. would either have dwarfism or it wouldn't 50 50 chance but if he was to have a baby with somebody else that has dwarfism, that changes things again. So it would be, I think it's a 25% chance of having an average height baby. So there's still a chance that mm-hmm. he could have an average height baby with another person with dwarfism. Yeah. 25% chance, no, hang on, 50% chance that it would have dwarfism. And then a 25% chance that it would have a double dose of that dwarfism which is then fatal to the baby. Ah, okay. So it's it's hard it's kind of hard to come to terms with the fact that there could be a future of loss for him in terms of having babies at d- what stage in the process. Sorry. Is um I think it's I'm pretty sure once they they can pick it up really early and say this this fetus has a double dose and then I think it's like well it's not going to survive the pregnancy. So mm-hmm. Um, and if it did, it would die very soon after. Yeah. So I think most people probably just choose to not go ahead with it. 
but yeah don't quote me on that I'm not entirely sure I know of families that have been through that and it's really really tough but that's yeah that's just how it how it is unfortunately one of the one of the realities of it yeah 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 and Leo's um I'm sure he's quite resilient he's been through a lot for a Mm, he is he's very resilient um he's very he's he's just one of a kind really he's (laughs) in so many ways he's so different to his brother Bo's a bit more reserved and cautious and then there's Leo who just comes in like a bull at a gate and he (laughs) is yeah you you know that he's there that's for sure (laughs) like he's just he's hilarious he's got a real sense of humor um and he is really resilient and I guess that comes from just everything that he's been through. There was a time where it was really hard getting him to hospital appointments. He would scream. He hated being there because he obviously carried some trauma with that. But now that he's getting older and I can explain things better to him and he understands, our trips are getting a lot easier. And we're finally at a point where we can get an x-ray without him screaming the hospital down. Because yeah. that was the reality for a while. It was mm-hmm. awful breaks your heart doesn't it it does it's really hard to hold your child down while they Mm. get x-rays and they're just kicking and screaming it's so tough Mm. but now he just we we talk about it as you know you're getting your photo taken just say cheese it's fine (laughs) (laughs) and he's finally getting it so yeah yeah. so nice yeah has Bo been an awesome big big brother he wouldn't know any different Mm. I guess yeah he doesn't know any different that yeah I guess it's um it's hard because people kind of say do the boys realize that this is like Leo's not going to get any bigger that like he will get bigger but he will never be as big as his peers it's a really it's tricky because yes Leo like Leo and Bo both know that Leo has achondroplasia and they know that he's smaller than his peers but I don't think they really grasp the concept that this is how it's going to be always Mm -mm. um even when he's an adult he's not going to miraculously get a whole lot of height like he's this is always how it will be so they understand it to an extent but as with any kid there's still that that kind of thought like oh but you know when he's when he's a teenager he'll be big yeah yeah um, he'll so do yeah, lots of growing then or whatever it is yeah. yeah 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 I guess they just kind of see in the in the now and they can't really imagine how this will affect him for the rest of his life yeah yeah, yeah. do you talk to new mums that have children with dwarfism yeah so whether that be I mean when I had my Instagram page that was a good way for them to find me because you Mm -hmm. know hashtags and all that kind of stuff and they always found me that way but it's surprisingly still happening now whether it be a local mum that one of the nurses has given my name to Mm -hmm. or a couple of years ago, actually, there was a woman that gave birth to a little boy in Tauranga, and she ended up sharing a room with my friend. And oh, wow. my friend was like, oh, well, my friend has, has a son with dwarfism. So um, so we got in touch that way. And then just the other week, I heard from a woman in Australia who's just had a little girl. And um, I think she found me because she, I think, I guess she just Googled achondroplasia and one of my stories came up. Mm-hmm. Um so she found me that way and then found my Instagram page and, and we've connected from there. So it definitely still happens. And it's really nice to be able to talk to them and just to kind of reassure them that everything is going to be okay. Mm. Like it's because they, they're in that state where they can't see that. They can't see that mm. it's going to be okay. It's just so scary and unknown to them. But they just, yeah, they just need a bit of reassurance from someone that has been through it and understands. Yeah. Yeah. That must have been so reassuring for the lady that had your friend in the same room. Yeah, She would have yeah. made her really yeah. feel I not quite so. so alone. I hope so, because that's the thing. You just, it's so hard to not feel alone when you go through something like that. You just automatically think like, am I the only one in the world that's going through this? Because mm. for that, most of the time, you've got nothing to do with that community. You mm. don't know that there are so many others out there that have been through what you've been through. Mm. And I just can't even imagine how people did this and went through that without social media like how would you how would you connect with these people Mm. and it would have been so hard I can't imagine not having the support that I did through social media back then yeah the world was was, so much smaller like you you wouldn't have um, been in contact with someone in America back in the day would you yeah yeah so it's amazing I feel I feel really lucky that 
this happened to us now when we had have this ability to reach out to people and just get that support whereas it could have been so different if mm. this had happened you know 20 years earlier or whatever yeah yeah and so your instagram page Mm. I'm sure you had over 20,000 followers in 2020, which was quite a few so. for yeah. back then. It was, was, yeah. 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 So when did you start it? Well, I mean, I always, yeah, I always had my Instagram just kind of trucking along and then, um, but it was nothing, you know, like there was never many followers on there at all. It was just really small. And then Leo came along and of course it kind of blew up from there because, um I think just a couple of people shared our story um because I started a blog page when he was born just to kind of process everything that was going on and also as a way of telling people mm-hmm. what our diagnosis was and I think a couple of people shared that and also the, the blog page itself actually did really well and people found me from that too so th- then it just grew and grew and grew and all of a sudden I'm here like trying to advocate for this baby that really I know nothing about. Mm. But I mean, I know, you know, he's my, <laughs> my child, but I, I know I knew nothing about his condition and mm. I was just learning along the way, but it was, it provided a really great opportunity to just to share him and advocate for him and educate people. I think education was just such a big thing that, um, yeah that just needed to happen mm. and it was great I'm really glad that I got the chance to do that awesome. yeah and you're saying um you know about his personality I think one you're really good at taking photos and two his personality sh- sh- shone through in those photos too yeah I think that's... yeah his cheekiness eh? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so gorgeous yeah yeah it was he did <laughs> I've just got videos like of the kind of stuff that I used to share when we had that page and he was just so funny even at like two and three you can see that humor coming through and um he just made it so easy to just want to show everyone how amazing he was Mm -hmm. um and that's what I loved I just loved that I had this little this little guy that I just loved showing people that he was just like any other kid Mm -hmm. he's just physically looks different Mm. Um, but I just loved being able to share his journey and like everything that he was doing and just kind of showing people that he can do everything else that all the other kids are doing. It's just, you know, some things are just going to be a little bit more challenging for him. And, and then it was also nice to be able to show them the hard things that we went through too, because a lot of people probably think, um, that he's just small, but there's all Mm. these medical things that we go through and it's important to show that side of it too because that that was a big reality for us for Mm. those first few years. Yeah. And then why did you stop the page? Um, I think it was, there were probably a few reasons. So I think it was like in lockdown or just after lockdown that I closed it down. And I think I just kind of got to a point where I was like, you know what, we've, I've done what I can do. I've done my advocating. I've educated. I've, I've put them out to the world, but now I kind of just want to keep them for myself because you kind of get to a point where you realize that yes, like a majority of people on the internet are great, Mm -hmm. but there's always going to be people that are not so great. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning, I kind of brushed all that off because I don't know, I, I just somehow I managed to do that. But as time went on, I was like, you know what? I don't have to put up with this. I don't. I don't need to. I don't need to have this public page anymore. Mm-hmm. Whereas earlier, I guess I was like, no, I need. I need to teach people. I need. I need to show them off. I need them mm-hmm. to, this to become the norm. You know, having a difference. It's sort of part um, of your journey, isn't it? To yeah, yeah. It was. Now. Yeah, it was. It, it helped me just kind of sharing everything with people it was a huge, it was a huge help for me too. And just getting that support from people and meeting people online that I hadn't talked to before. And um, it was quite, yeah, therapeutic in so many ways and just being able to share our story. But yeah, it got to a point where I was like, no, this, this is not for me anymore. And Leo's getting older and, Mm. and we just wanted a bit more privacy. And I guess that's, yeah, that's the crux of it really. We just thought, this is our life and we don't owe it to anyone to mm-hmm. share what's happening in our life anymore and if we want yeah. to pull back we'll pull back and that's what we did right yeah and do I remember rightly that um someone had taken one of Leo's pictures and made a silly meme or something oh uh, yeah I that happened 
probably a little bit before but before then I did a campaign for burger fuel and because you know like because I'm working with big companies like that images get out and mm. there's nothing I can do about it and I think what we found was just someone had started using his picture as their profile picture and okay. that to me was yeah so that was a really big like moment where I was mm. like this is not okay what can I do to stop this from ever happening again and mm -hmm. the only thing you can do is step back and and put in place all of these you know systems to protect mm -hmm. your child because there's nothing okay about your child's image being stolen no. and I'd also over the years I had shared my story with a lot of I actually I probably only shared it with like two publications but it then got reshared because it wasn't copyrighted so it then got reshared by publications all over the world and all of a sudden he was all over the internet it just did not sit right with me so I actually went on a bit of a tirade of getting in touch with all of these companies and being like can you please please remove our story which they they don't have to but luckily a lot of them did. I still see things pop up every now and then and I have to go through the process again, but I feel like I've I've had a lot removed that I wanted removed, so that's good. But yeah, it was quite a process because what, yeah, it's true what they say, once you're on the internet, it is there forever. Yeah. And it, it, it's hard because at the time I was just, yeah, I was full on advocating mode and then mm. that changed and it's hard to turn that all around after you've been so open. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And do you sometimes overthink the fact that you were so open and be hard on yourself? Like, why yeah. did I share that? Yeah, like, quite often. Yeah, mm -hmm. I do. But then I've just got to remind myself that that was just what, what we did at the time. And it had so many benefits because it helped a lot of people and it helped us. And mm -hmm. yes, there were implications that I probably would change now, but yeah, that's what we did. So yeah, not much we can do about it now apart from what I'm trying to do and removing yeah. it. Yeah. No, I'm super proud of you for ad advocating and then being able to pull away from it because you were working mm. with a lot of big brands and things that would have mm. been tempting to continue that on. Yeah, it was. Because um, obviously like that was kind of, yeah, that it was three years ago now so it was things have changed a little bit since then in that space but but yeah it was hard to walk away from because I was like the money that I was earning um was helping me save money for Leo mm. and going and like with the kids the kids funds and stuff and so to not get that anymore I'm kind of like you know did I do the right thing because now I don't have that for them but it's yeah it's a double-edged sword you've mm. kind of got to think about it it's, it's more than that and but yeah that was it was hard to walk away from that but when you feel something so strongly and that need to protect your kids it just goes above and beyond everything mm. so yeah it's powerful isn't it motherhood it is. what we yes. do for our little ones yeah <laughs> it is yeah so the yeah. brands you worked with burger fuel did you say yeah yes I think it was them yeah so what did you do with them well nothing there's nothing that I you could just do. promoted um oh yeah sorry yeah. so for the actual job yeah it was just one of those you come into the store take some photos and but I, the thing I did was that I signed off saying that they could use those as their ads mm -hmm. so that's kind of where it went wrong they started using my image to promote burger fuel on their terms so it was no longer just on my page it was being pushed out to everyone on Facebook so it was accessible to to everyone um and that's the thing with that that kind of stuff you you have no control over who it reaches mm. so in hindsight that was a big mistake um and I guess I that's guess. why a lot of people have managers who look through the finer details probably contracts. yeah yeah probably but even then I, I guess I was just oblivious to to what people can do mm. like and how nasty people can be I guess I was like I don't know maybe I just saw the world in like this really rose into glasses like oh surely no one would do anything like that because that's just nasty mm. 
but yeah we learned the hard way and we also learned that it's really hard to get people to like to get Facebook to take that down it, we had to go through a lot of channels to prove that that person was not Leo or Leo was not that person's son or whatever wow. they were trying to claim it was and yeah so it was it was it was tricky to get it removed from their site did you try mm. messaging them and they just didn't respond I don't I don't know if I messaged them or not I can't mm. remember I, I honestly can't remember but I feel like even if we did I don't think it would have been the right thing to do because mm-hmm. They're not just going to be like, oh, sorry, we'll mm. take it down. They're not, the, they, they weren't that kind of person. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And what about now when you go to the supermarket or go away on holiday? Do you get random strangers coming up to you? Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're, we're really lucky in that we haven't had a negative experience. Um, Oh, we've had one. We've had one negative experience, but other than that, we've had really positive things like come from come from him and who he is. Because, especially in our community, I fe- I almost feel like he's he's almost like just he's just anyone else. Like he doesn't really get looked at that much around here because a lot of people have seen him before and they just they kind of know who he is. Mm-hmm. But I do notice it when we go on holidays and we're out of our our circle you know like out of our, our little bubble um I do know I definitely notice it more then and I'm I guess I'm more aware of it when we're out amongst people that I don't know um yeah that's another thing I'm, I'm hyper aware of my surroundings I just like you know you, you can be walking past a group of people and they think they're being so low-key about things and I'm like I can see you I know I know that you're pointing at him I know that you're talking about him and whether it's you know whether they're saying oh he's so cute or anything like that I'm still I'm so aware of everything that's going on and I make sure I do my very best to make sure that he's not aware of it Mm -hmm. so whether that be steering him away from it or um, standing between these people and him so that he can't see them looking at him just all these little things that I've kind of trained myself to do subconsciously yeah. to protect him from that. But on the whole, I do feel like it's, he gets a lot of smiles. He gets a lot of people wanting to talk to him. Um, everywhere we go, someone seems to know him because he goes to a big school and everyone yeah. at school yeah. knows who he is and they yeah. love him. So I do feel like everyone's like, hi, Leo. Hi, Leo. <laughs> it's like a, he's like a celebrity I'm walking around with a celebrity <laughs> and then he got his personality to boot as well yeah, yeah but it is funny though because he actually goes quite shy in those situations yeah he's like as you kind of probably would if all these people know you and you yeah. don't know who they are you're yeah. like oh um, it's a bit unnerving sort of yeah, yeah. so he, he can go a little bit shy in those situations yeah 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 I found when I've seen your photos on Instagram you have this I have this overwhelming feeling to say oh he's so cute but does that kind of have a bit of a negative connotation for you I don't know I kind of think like for me I'm I'm, I like it when people say that because it's so much better than the alternative of Mm -hmm. people saying something harsh or Mm -hmm. rude so I when they say that I'm I'm kind of like oh okay good I'm happy for you to say that yeah but I'm also very aware of the fact that he's six and Mm. he he's only getting older like how long is he going to be okay with that Mm. um he doesn't want to be called cute forever so at the moment he doesn't seem bothered by it Mm. but but I'm just yeah I am aware of how he's going to feel if that keeps going and it and it probably will keep going so um so yeah, I mean, I think he's cute. I think he's adorable. He is he most really of the is. time <laughs> <laughs> when he's not testing the boundaries. But but yeah, it is something that I do want to just kind of keep an eye on and how he's responding to it. Um, mm-hmm. Because as soon as it becomes a problem, then we we need to do something about it. And there's not a lot that I can do out in the general public. But if it's people at school, mm. then then we can do things about that. And yeah. Yeah, so I'll manage what I can and just keep an eye on how how he's doing and how he's accepting and tolerating things, I guess. Yeah. 
it's motherhood on steroids kind of isn't it like mothers are always hyper aware but you've got to take it that next level yeah yeah you do and because for some reason and it's a really unfair thing but with his condition people just feel like it's their right to take photos of him and to stare at him and because that condition has almost been like fantasized and and it's I don't know if that's the right word but it's like you see it in the movies Mm. and characters and they just think that that therefore means that they can point and 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 laugh and take photos because we have had that we've had people try and take photos and it's like there is no other condition that you would Mm. feel okay doing that about so why is it that this is okay you know because you wouldn't there isn't like you would not go and take a take a photo of someone that has a physical disability if it's not dwarfism because it's rude right yeah yeah that's so so interesting because it has been made comical in movies hasn't Mm. it yeah is that hard to watch like do you turn off a movie if it's got that um it annoys me And if I know that there's a movie that's going to have that in it, then I won't watch it. Mm. Um, But it is what it is. I mean, Mm. it's always going to happen. You know, it's always going to be in movies. And these people with dwarfism choose to put themselves in that situation in Mm. these movies. And I feel sorry for them that they're doing that, making fun of their own condition to to do it. But, you know, what can you do? Mm. Do you think they're actors to begin with and then that happens? Or do you think they get approached... It dep- nice. I, I think it's really different for for all of them, but mm-hmm. I would say, um, yeah, I do, I don't know. I pro- I don't really want to quote on that because it could be different for mm. everyone. But yeah, I'd say there's definitely a fair few of them out there that just want to monetize off the fact that they have this condition and they'll do whatever it takes to to do it, which is really sad. Could it be part of their journey? You know, you you had your journey of acceptance. Mm. Do they potentially they reach an age in life where they then go through a bit of a journey of acceptance as well? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, it could it could be a number of things. So that's why I can't really look too far into it because you mm. just don't know what their journey is yeah. and how they've been brought up and and all of that. So this comes from my mum always says how my daughter Olivia has autism, how mm. much she's taught her. Mm. do you find the same that leo has taught Mm. you so much about life and yeah 100 percent um i don't think i mean you could say this about any kid that you that you wouldn't be who you are today without that that child but i think it's just tenfold with him like if he had been born and didn't have this condition i would be a completely different person than i am today Mm. i would be um i mean i hate to say this but i just wouldn't I wouldn't be as knowledgeable about all of these differences in the world mm. and I wouldn't be as I wouldn't I wouldn't say that I wouldn't be as accepting because I've always been an accepting person of difference but I've he's opened up this world of just knowing so much more about so many different differences mm. um this yeah there's so much that he's taught me and I'm I feel so grateful for all of it you know, like you think, I think back to the day that he was born and that I, I do like that. It was traumatic. It was a really traumatic day, traumatic month, traumatic year. So I, I feel really lucky in that the, like one of the hardest days of my life actually turned out to be one of the best days of my life because Gosh, it's birth it's... of your child, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, how can you ever say that that was the worst thing because mm. it's the best thing. So I think the two the two kind of can go par- like side by side because I'm never going to say that it wasn't hard because mm. it was. There were so many hard things about that time, but but as I said at the beginning, like as the years go by, so many other things happen and so many other memories are formed, and Leo becomes this person, and that's kind of a kind of takes over all that all the hard times Mm. you know and and that day then becomes less and less of a traumatic Mm. memory for me um 
so yeah it was it was the hardest day but it, it just turned out to be the most beautiful thing <laughs> so it's quite hard to those explain, words but, no mm. you've just sort of summed up the podcast it's about you know delving into the challenges that happen in life because actually that's where the magic happens yeah yeah and I fully understand that there are some people that have traumas in their life that you know that are just that there is oh, nothing good yeah. that losing a child from that. things yeah. like that it's like, no good you just can't that. put a yeah. positive spin on that no so I'm so aware of that but I that, and that's why I feel so blessed that mm. my hardest day was also one of the best days for us as a family mm. it's um there's some people that just can't that can't say that so I feel mm. really lucky yeah so right back to the juggle that you spoke about at the start mm. how do you cope with the juggle I'm lucky in that I have a flexible job and I, I mean I work with a bunch of guys but they're all family men and they and they fully understand that I'm a mum first and um and I fit my and I and I and I they know that I always get the work done so they're kind of a bit more relaxed about that um it's getting harder now because I feel like Evie's about to drop her net, which is going <laughs> to be tough. Yeah. But yeah, the, her daycare that she's going to go to won't take her until she's two. So we're just hanging out for that. And then there's also, you know, like, then we've got to figure out how we're going to pay for daycare. Yeah. <laughs> because everything's just getting so expensive. Mm. So yeah, we're kind of just in this position of like figuring out how we're going to, how we're going to manage that. But but we're lucky, like my mum lives here, so she helps out. Um, and we've got my husband's auntie that lives here. So we've got family that can help. And I'm a, I am a really organised person. Like I I definitely, yeah, that helps. It helps to be organised. You have yeah, to be organised. You do. Um, so, yeah, if I, if I didn't have these organisational skills that I have, it wouldn't be, it would be a mess. But yeah you just kind of get used to it eh? like this is this is life and this is the day-to-day and you get Mm. through it and start again the next day (laughs) yeah yeah you have some really good days thrown in and some not so good days as well exactly exactly yeah they they balance each other out Mm. yeah yeah anything else you'd like to to add in or happy to share with us Oh, that's probably as interesting as my life gets, really. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so happy with where our life is at now. Leo was supposed to be our last child, so there's a bit of a gap between him and Evie. But I just feel like we're in this real sweet spot at the moment where everything has worked out as it should. Um, yes. Because I definitely wasn't ready for him to be the last child. Yeah. Um, so that that was quite hard to come to terms with. But now that we have Evie, I just I really feel the sense of being done now. Yeah. And it, I get I don't want that to come across in a way of being like, you know, like because I, I often say that I needed to have that third child to kind of because I missed out on so much having Leo Mm -hmm. but it's not saying that I missed out because of who Leo is it's more like I really missed that newborn phase Mm -hmm. of being able to come home with your new baby and just be in that bubble Mm -hmm. I didn't get that because of everything we went through and that was quite hard to come to terms with so I felt like I was kind of ripped off with a bit of that like just so many of the the things that you're meant to do and I just Mm. and I couldn't I couldn't put him in a front pack and go for a walk because because of his spine and all these things so I think there were certain things that I just needed um to be able to wrap up that baby making time like the baby bearing childhood you know so having Evie really really healed a lot of things for me just being able to to get that to get those get those things that I thought I was going to get that I didn't get yeah, nice. um so yeah don't want that to come across as being like you know I missed no. out because of who he is no not, not at, at all. all but because we've got Evie now it's definitely I definitely have this feeling of being done with yep. with all that and it's just a really good space to be in um so yeah we're we're really good and we're really happy and That's yeah so nice. life is good do you have a yeah. stepson as well do I? Yes, yeah. I do. So he's 18 now. So I barely even think of him as being a child. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's a full on adult. But yeah, he still lives with us. And he yeah, he works, he works full time. And he's just kind of figuring out what he wants to do with his life. Um, I never 
shared a lot about him just because um well because he was always he was older and he was doing his own thing Mm -hmm. and um, I didn't really feel like I had that right yeah but but yeah no he's very much involved with the kids he loves them he's great with them him and Leo especially have a really good bond too he does a bit bit of babysitting here and there surely no not really um (laughs) not as much as would like <laughs> no but more more just because of his work hours really it doesn't yeah. really doesn't really work out but um but yeah maybe I need to get him onto that <laughs> you might have to pay him a bit to really um make it happen yeah probably <laughs> <laughs> okay I've just got um 10 questions 10 random okay. questions favorite way to exercise um getting to the gym I mean as much as I love going out and being active outdoors I also really l- love just getting to the gym and doing an hours of full-on exercise yeah awesome and would you prefer would you rather do jumping lunges or burpees burpees what do you do for self-care um I go to the beach love going to the beach and going to the gym that's nice. myself yeah yeah and where you live beach pretty much all year round doesn't it pretty much yeah. yeah yeah I mean um we we definitely go there a lot during the winter um not as much as the summer but we still try and get there because the kids just love running around and getting that fresh air and yeah and it's still just such a beautiful place to be on any day really mm. yeah I came went up there for a girls weekend last August mm. and you know down here it was freezing went up there blown away it's like being yeah. in a different country I know um, it's yeah it's good yeah but I couldn't straighten my hair properly everyone was laughing because of the humidity oh really I'd straighten it a bit curly like within oh you make hour. it sound like a tropical island <laughs> yeah it felt like it oh that's so funny yeah favorite place you've lived that's a hard one because I love everywhere that I've lived I grew up in Napier um I then moved to Wellington then went to Auckland and now down here and I love them all for different reasons um Napier was just a great place to grow up mm. Wellington speaks for itself I think I just love it I love the creative like the creativity there I was at uni, uni? yeah yeah and I just I loved uni and so great memories there Auckland is where I met my husband so we obviously have great great memories from there and now I'm raising a family in Tauranga so I don't think I could pick a favorite they've all got really good things yeah. how nice yeah. that they've kind of got their sort of separate place in your yeah timeline yeah. of your life yeah. yeah and I feel lucky that I that I can't pick a favorite because that just shows how special each of them are mm-hmm. yeah that's nice favorite country to travel to um I guess anywhere in Europe um Italy probably has a lot of special memories for us because that's where we got engaged. We got oh, engaged beautiful. in Florence. So I guess we'd say Florence in Italy. Yeah. Nice. That was great. Yeah. Current favorite outfit that you wear? Oh, favorite outfit. Everything that I don't own that I want would be <laughs> yeah. my favorite outfit. Yes. Everything on my wish list. Oh my goodness. And the minute it gets home, it's no longer as desirable, is it? I know. I know. How does that work? Um, no, but at the moment, I've, I, I'm just a massive jeans person, so I love jeans and um, a nice winter coat, I guess, mm. and some trusty boots. Um, I like quality boots. I often like I spend my money on good shoes because they'll get me through years, you know. So yeah, we need to look after our feet, don't we? As well, and they need to be comfy. Exactly. Yeah, mm. exactly. That's what we tell ourselves when we hand <laughs> over the EFOS card. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much yeah (laughs) podcast recommendations so I've actually only recently kind of got into podcasts I never really could find anything I liked so I it's only probably the last six months that I've started listening to podcasts like every day podcast recommendations so I listen to life uncut which is like a really light-hearted Aussie podcast a couple of girls in Aussie and I just find them really funny yeah um so I listen to that and I also listen to, I have one um, financial kind of one that I listen to when I need to get on a bit of a budgeting buzz. She's on the money. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah, so that's an Aussie one. But then I've also just found one called Frugal Friends Podcast, which I haven't listened to yet, but I'm going to. So yeah, I listen to that. And then another one I really enjoy is The Deep. 
um, oh, that's, Zoe um, Marshall. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I really like that one. I just find that she, yeah, she has some really interesting guests on that. That yeah, I just love listening to those. And it's probably like those are my main ones. But I also am interested in finding like a really good crime one to listen to. Oh, I can tell you lots. Can you? Oh. Yeah. Okay, I can list some off now because no doubt other people were looking Mm -hmm. for podcasts. I especially like Aussie ones, a bit like you. So Teacher's Pet and the Teacher's Trial. Oh, yes, I I listened to that one. Yeah, Yeah, so good. good. I've just finished The Sting. Okay. It's good. Shandy's Story is good. It's the same guy who did The Teacher's Pet. Okay. Those ones anyway. Because, yeah, I do like, I like listening to ones that are recommended by people Mm. rather than just scrolling through trying to find one at random and it really sucks when you don't have a podcast when you're like right I need I I actually I actually listen I listen to podcasts when I'm at the gym everyone thinks it's really weird they're like why would you not listen to music but I mean there's music going in the background at the gym but I yeah I that's my time to listen to podcasts yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you can't wait to get there it's like um, I listen to mine when I'm cleaning and I'm like oh I can't wait to clean which is yeah I'm a new person I know it's great (laughs) favorite beauty product um dry shampoo (laughs) (laughs) that's like probably the thing that I use most often (laughs) yeah that I would say that's like my go-to thing at the moment what's the Um, brand you never know someone might be going oh oh I need a good I just love that um the classic bestest or whatever it is I mean I don't even know of any other ones it's just that that's the most accessible one it's Um, supermarket warehouse Kmart supermarket anywhere yeah um but I mean, I haven't had my hair done since January, so mm. I'm just feeling like in this state of, ugh. <laughs> just, <laughs> I just needed, but yeah, that's kind of just getting me through like, because it all, it just kind of gives it like a second life when mm. you give it, give it a good dry shampoo. It's like, just gives it a bit of volume and yeah, it's good. Okay. I might need to start that then. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Two more. What do you usually have for lunch? So I'm quite a creature of habit, and when I when I start on something, I tend to like smash it out every day for a long time. So at the moment, I'm doing like a salmon salad. Um, so I do like a little bit of brown rice and quinoa mixed together, and then a bit of cucumber, tomato, cottage cheese, and a tin of salmon. Yeah. So that's kind of my go-to at the moment. And if I don't have that, then it will be eggs on toast yeah both those very similar to mine Hmm. what are you up to this weekend I'm going to Hawke's Bay this weekend oh nice so that'll be cool I've just got a new car I got a seven seater which we so desperately needed um and I'm just really excited to go on a road trip with the kids and not have them all crammed into the back seat bickering at each other (laughs) so Bo's going to be at the back and then Leo and Evie will be in the middle one and my mum's going to come with me so yeah we're going to do a long weekend down there which yeah we're looking forward to do you have friends and family you catch up with there or are you just yeah yeah so we've got family down there and a lot of my friends are raising their families there so um it's yeah it's a really nice place to go it's great for kids they've got so much going on for kids which is cool and um yeah I think if I could raise my kids anywhere but here I think it would be Napier it's Mm. cool good place to go really nice place really nice people nice climate usually yeah 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 Yeah. it's fun good times yeah well thank you so much for your time Liv and thank you for yeah going back you know you hadn't you said you hadn't spoken about the early days for a while so thank you for doing that for us yeah no that's all right it's sometimes it's really good um, and quite cathartic to kind of to get it all out again eh? and yeah. it's and it's really nice to be at a point now where I can talk about it and not get feel those you know those feelings of being upset and mm. we're just at such a good place now that um yeah it's just it's easy to talk about it's good. Oh, so nice so happy yeah. for you thank you <laughs> thanks for having me it's been really oh, good yeah it's been so great to catch up with yeah. you and yeah talk face to face and yeah. Yeah, learn more about your journey so thank you so much yeah all right well yeah we'll have to stay in touch and um yes. it's nice having you following our journey still yeah, and I love-, I love seeing what you and the kids are doing so it's yeah I always look at your your posts and I'm like oh you're like living this other life down there 
you know, like you said, it's like being in a different country up here, but then I look at yeah. you down there and I'm like, wow, it's such a beautiful, beautiful place to live. Yeah, like, it is. It so is beautiful. If I it know. wasn't beautiful, you wouldn't want to live here. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I get that. It's yeah. great in the summer, but um, yeah, yeah. Although we've had a pretty cruisy winter, but it can be pretty horrific with um, yeah. poor frost. Thank you so much for your time, and yeah, it's so Thanks nice so to see you again. Yeah. All right. You too. Thanks, see Liv. Ya. See you. Bye. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate Podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, please leave a rating and review. It helps people to find us. We have had quite a few women join Dedicate recently, citing weight loss as their focus. Although at Dedicate we encourage you to take the focus off weight loss, we see you and know how important it is for you. I encourage you, however, to firstly focus on creating habits with the focus of being a lifelong exerciser. This enables a positive approach that sets you up for long-term healthy habits. Here's a message from one of our members that sums this up so perfectly. I joined years ago to lose weight, and I did lose a lot of weight. It took me about eight months to realize that it wasn't about weight loss, but about making exercise a lifelong habit. We will naturally join because we want to lose weight. What you teach us is that exercise, even a little each day, is important, not only for our health, but for our mental health. I'm very grateful for you and your program. To join our supportive fitness community, get your seven-day free trial at kateivyfitness.com. Catch you all next week or on Dedicate. Thanks for listening.